0: You know, what we call Good Friday was anything but good to those who had been following Jesus. All the hopes they had placed in Him and Messiah and as the Savior of God's people were nailed to the cross and crucified right along with Him. And the disciples, like what we've just seen, went from full devotion to full abandonment In a matter of hours. Peter had said of him that he was the Christ. At one point, Peter had said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He'd also concluded that there was no one else to whom they could go, because it was was only Jesus who had the words of eternal life. Like Peter said that to him. "You're, you're You're the only one who has the words of eternal life. To whom else could we go? So with total faith in Christ, in John thirteen thirty-seven, Peter had said to Jesus these words, I will lay down my life for you. Amazingly ironic, given what would soon take place. But Peter wasn't the only one. In John eleven sixteen, when Jesus was preparing to go to Judea to raise Lazarus, Thomas, and you know who Thomas is, the one who doubts later. Thomas, as they're getting ready to go to raise Lazarus, of course, he doesn't know that, says to the other disciples, let us also go that we might die with him. So you've got Peter saying, I will lay down my life for you. You have Thomas saying to the rest of the disciples, I'm ready to go and die with him. And nobody speaks up. Nobody says, no, I don't think I want to do that. Instead, as far as we know, they all go. That was the devotion of the followers of Jesus at one point. Until crunch time. When it came right down to it, It was not a Good Friday for the apostles. In general, they were scattering and hiding out while Jesus hung crucified. That was kind of their default to run and hide. They do come back eventually, they return. But notice that it's Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus who end up taking the body of Jesus. It wasn't Nathanael, it wasn't Thomas, it wasn't James, it wasn't Matthew, it wasn't another one of the twelve. We don't know where all of them were, but we know where they weren't. They weren't with Jesus. They didn't make a claim about his body. They all left. The only one that we know was there for sure was John. We know that John was told by Jesus while he's hanging on the cross, Take care of this woman. She's your mother. And of course, he was talking about Mary. He wanted John to take care of his own mother. But very little is said about the rest of the apostles. Where were they? We do know that they eventually found their way back to the upper room. In fact, that evening, after the resurrection, Thomas is the only one apparently not there. And Jesus appears to them. And here's what John says about that incident. He says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Can you imagine? Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. Quite a weighty responsibility. And so in an instant, all these shattered dreams and these shattered lives that had come back together for a few moments, and they had indeed been absolutely shattered, they come back and all of their dreams suddenly are fulfilled. Jesus wishes upon them his own peace that is now present because he's alive. The the text says that joy now filled the apostles They were previously grieving with broken hearts and suddenly the appearance of Jesus fills them with joy. And then there was this whirlwind uh, commission by him where he says, I'm going to give you this mission. And then he says that you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and he breathes on them so that this would be so. He even says, again, that forgiveness of sins is being offered and that they have a major responsibility for the forgiveness of those sins. And so instantly, we go from the very depths of despair and agony and hurt and confusion, grief, not wondering what the future holds, to all of a sudden recognizing that because Jesus is now alive, everything has changed. And the fact is that for us today, everything changes because of Jesus. Today, many of you have had a chance to look at the traditional stations of the cross. We didn't do all of them, but we chose several. They begin with Jesus being condemned to death in the first station, but then death itself is condemned. So that death itself dies and is overcome by life. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 56 through 57 make it clear that we're now victorious over death. And so Paul says, where, O death, is your victory? Where is your sting? And of course, it's taken away by the cross of Jesus. The next station that we looked at sees Jesus taking up his cross and carrying it. But this is... Also, so that the Spirit can indwell us, so that we can then carry our own crosses. You look at, again, Matthew 28, verse 20, and it says that Jesus is right there with us, with all authority, present, even while we have to carry our crosses, He's there. One station includes Simon of Cyrene, helping to carry the cross of Jesus. And then, with Christ's help and with the help of the Spirit, we carry each other's burdens Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens, just the way the burden of the cross was carried for Jesus. In the traditional eighth station, Jesus meets the women of Jerusalem, weeping for him. But at the tomb, Jesus asks the woman, why are you crying? Because he knows that his presence is going to remove their tears. During the course of the events leading up to the crucifixion, Jesus is stripped by his garments, and they're divided up by casting lots. But then we're told that we're clothed with Christ in Galatians 3, 26 and 27. So despite the fact that there's a a stripped, crucified Savior on the cross, it means for us a clothing. The traditional eleventh station of the cross is the nailing of Jesus to the cross, the blessing comes in that it, it's our sins and our transgressions that eventually are nailed there. And that according to Paul in Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14, are actually nailed to the cross along with Christ. With the 12th traditional station of the cross, Jesus dies. Mark 15 37 says he gave out a loud cry and breathed his last. And that parallels, of course. Paul says it does in Romans 6, our own death. And we're buried ourselves in the waters of baptism and then have a chance to rise to newness of life. And so with the traditional 14th station of the cross, Jesus is laid in the tomb. But what we know is that the tomb couldn't hold him. No grave was deep enough. No stone was heavy enough. No force of death or evil was strong enough. He lives again. And so do we. And so we praise the Lord today that the grave wasn't strong enough and that through his power and his might, he was able to transcend and even defeat death. And it's this hope that rekindled life in the apostles as they went from such agony to such joy. For the Lord's Supper today, There's going to be someone standing uh, at the end of your row. They're going to release you to go to the table for your section at the appropriate time. You will file out towards the usher. So if you look and you'll see somebody standing at the end of your row, that's the person that you'll go to. Then you'll go up to the table. You'll take communion. You will take it back with you to your seat. And you'll return to the opposite end of the row from which you left. Uh, At the same time, you can place your contributions in the baskets that are on the tables. So we're not going to pass the bags today. Instead, there are baskets on the tables. Please be prepared with that so you can take your contribution and put it in the baskets. I hope that you've gone through the Stations of the Cross today. I hope that you've thought about the pain. But then I hope that what you've thought about is the victory. The blessed victory of Jesus transcending death. More than anything, that's what we're experiencing today. I'm going to lead us in one prayer uh, for the bread, for the cup, and the offering. And then you'll be dismissed row by row. So just wait for that person to be at the end of your row and go toward them. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you today for the blessedness that comes to us because of Jesus. We know that you look at us differently. You have filled us with joy. You have blessed us with forgiveness. You have given us your spirit. You have given us new life. And so today, God, we take this bread together. And we take some fruit of the vine, grape juice, that represents his shed blood. We know that it it was his body killed, his blood shed, that offers us this new life that we've received and celebrate today. And so we thank you and praise you for that. We praise you too, God, for the blessings of life. And so the contributions that we make uh, to the church today, We thank you for all of the the blessings that make that possible. And we pray you'd bless these contributions as well. We pray all these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen.